morning. Are we having an amazing worship service in the Lord? It is awesome to have you all here with us this morning. Amen. You know, uh, today is exciting, of course, not only for our inaugural service, but we have uh, friends and brothers and sisters from over five other different nations joining us here today in South Africa. Mozambique is in the house. Canada is in the house. England is in the house. Malawi is in the house. And of course, the USA is in the house. If uh, you are disciples visiting from other uh, countries, please stand on up. We want to welcome you here. It is so good to have you here with us this morning. Family, it's, it's just great to be part of a movement of churches. And if you're our guest here today, again, this is not some little autonomous church. This is part of a movement of over a hundred churches around the world on every populated continent of the globe. Are you with me, our family? And of course, thank you so much to Dr. Skip and Elena for joining us here today, traveling all that way. Um, and of course, it was encouraging to see Tendai and Blantina get restored today. Amen. And of course, that's not all because Michaela's come to be baptized. Where's Michaela? Where she is. Come on, stand up, Michaela. Michaela's come to be baptized today. And Morgan has come Morgan. to be baptized today. God is doing great things. Amen, family. Turn with me in your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. You know, our family, we live in a world of religious hypocrisy, do we not? We live in a world where even people who call themselves Christians don't really live the life. And that was me. I grew up going to church. But no one really taught me what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we also live in a world with a lot of humanistic philosophy. With people who, they, they, they're kind of tired of church, they're giving up on that. So they kind of go to philosophies and utilitarianism. Whatever's best for the world, whatever's best for me, I will do. Are you with me here? Yeah. And so people have pretty much kind of embraced a, a, a standard of, uh, of, I guess you could call it a moral buffet. They kind of pick and choose the things wow. they want to follow that they now call good. I'm a good person if I've now part, I, I, I kind of picked the moral things I want to follow. I've made it my own, and that's my religion. Are you with me here? That's what people have done. They, they stop going to church. They may even stop calling themselves Christians, but they still say, I'm a good person. Because I have this moral buffet of what I've picked and chosen that describes who I am. But the question this morning is, is that right? Is that true? And so today we're going to examine that. The title of the message, as you can see from your invite, is why good without God is not enough. Are you with me here? Now hopefully I've given you enough time to turn to Hebrews chapter 5. We're there. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Now, if you're a guest here this morning, we're a Bible church. Amen? So I want you to read from the Word of God this morning. If you don't have a Bible, please look on with someone who does next to you. I, I, I don't want you to get it from my mouth. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Are you with me here? Too often people just listen to whatever the guy up front is saying, and they don't have their own convictions. And as a result, they can be led astray. Are you with me here? Take a look what the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Are you there? All right. Now listen closely. Here we go. I'm going to do something to see if you're paying attention to. All right. All right. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. The Bible says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. Uh-oh. Okay. Hang on. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Now, mind you, this is being written to Christians. Are you with me here? This is being written to people who call themselves Christians, who are baptized disciples. And so what was the expectation here? The expectation that every single person who was a Christian was also expected to be what? Teacher. A teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you think of yourself as a Bible teacher? Wow. If you're a Christian, do you think of yourself as someone who can teach the word of God? Come on, Andrew. Are you with me here? Yeah. You know, before I got my black belt in karate, I could not get my black belt until I taught the, small, the, the, the classes below me. For at least six months, I had to make sure they got it done. And if I could not help them progress successfully, I was not ready for my black belts. Right. As Christians, can we actually teach what we say we know? Wow. <laughs> Let's keep on reading. Come on. Okay. It says here, you need milk, 
Not solid food. Okay. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Wow. So what does it mean to be mature? Right? What does the Bible say here? I'm not saying it. This is the Bible, right? We're reading, right? Just want to make sure we're on the same page, right? Okay. It says, to be mature, you have to use the word of God and train yourself to distinguish what? Good from evil. Now, here's what's really interesting. Let me, let me share with you a little bit of my story. This passage really relates to me because no one ever taught me what it meant to become a true Christian. No one taught me that the word Christian is only in the Bible three times. Three times. And the first time it's mentioned in Acts chapter 11 where it says the disciples were called Christians. Yeah. Right? The other two times it talks about uh, if you want to be a Christian, uh, if you, do you want to persuade me to be a Christian in Acts 26? And another time in 1 Peter it says if you suffer for being a Christian, praise God you bear that name. Yeah. But that doesn't tell you what a Christian is. Yeah. But in Acts 11, it says the disciples were called Christians. So Christian is basically a nickname. It was a nickname of those around that area in Antioch. They were looking at the disciples and saying, hey, this guy, he's like that Christ guy. He's like a Christian. Are you with me here? And the disciples said, hmm, you know what? I kind of like that name. We're going to take on the name Christian. But here's the issue. If you call yourself a Christian, Christ-like, can you be Christ-like without being a disciple, which means student and follower? No. Can you be a student and follower? Or rather, can you be Christ-like without being a student and follower? That's like saying, I'm a doctor. Have you gone to medical school? You been to med- No, I've never gone to medical school. I don't even know what it means to be a medical student. <laughs> but I am a doctor. Oh my. Oh my. This morning, do you know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? See, if you're a guest here today, I have great news for you. You, we're going to sit down and prayerfully, if you, if you, the guests who invite you out, please sit down with them and ask them, hey, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because if you know what a disciple is, now you know what a Christian is. The word disciples in the Bible almost 300 times. 300 times. But here's what's crazy. Growing up for me, no one ever taught me, Andrew, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Wow. Therefore, this is what it means to be a Christian. Did someone teach you? No. Are you with me here? So I grew up going to a Presbyterian church. I knew all the Bible stories. I could quote. I actually corrected my Sunday school teacher in class. Then he'll go outside, smoke a cigarette, and come back in. I'm just being honest with you. Right? I will come in, and then the musicians playing the trumpet and all this other stuff, they were like, they were during fellowship break, they were talking about what girls they were the night before, and I'm like, this is this is church, huh? Yes, it is. Well, I started playing the piano when I was seven years old. Come on, bro. And uh, I, I did fairly good in it, and, and then I learned how to play the organ. And I got so kind of fed up with the church I was going to, I said, I told my mom, I said, Mom, can I make some money being a church musician? She's like, sure. I'm like, yeah, less money for me to pay for you. So I went and I learned how to play the pipe organ, like the real pipe organ, with like the three different levels of, of, of keyboards. Wow. And I would play in Catholic churches, Baptist churches, Pentecostal, all types of churches, making money. And I, I realized... They're doing the same thing. I see people go, these same guys that I see going to the club on Saturday night are in the choir singing, All right, even. Amen. And I'm like, hold on a second here. Is that okay? How, how can you live this duplicitous life? And of course, I was a hypocrite too. I appreciate Jacques saying that. Because while we see all the hypocrisy outside, we don't often, while we point the finger, we have three fingers pointing back at us. <laughs> I, I remember me right there. So here's what I did. Uh, by the time it was time for university, or matric, is this called here? Is that yeah. what it's called? Matriculation. By the time I stopped going to church. For three years, I stopped going to church. And literally, I got involved in every sin you can imagine. Sexual morality, I mean, cheating, just a whole bunch of wicked sin. I was this close to getting an STD. I, got, I never forget, I was a third year pre-medical student, Cornell University, and I remember I was studying organic chemistry and I was like, I think I finally took out the book, my, the Bible, and I was like, wow, okay, maybe I should read Job or something because I'm stressed. <laughs> and uh, anyway, long story short, I went to go check my email 
And when I went to check my email, this girl that I was with, one of my study partners, and every study partner was a female, she's like, Andrew, hey, uh, I think I have something. Are you okay? Click. Whoa. And you never have that feeling where your, your stomach kind of oh. goes through the floor <laughs> and you get real scared. Yep. And I'm like, but I just gone to the doctor. I got and checked out. I was 100% clean, good to go. Literally, God had protected me. Yeah. I come to find out, my wife says amen. amen. <laughs> now, what's really cool about this is the fact that literally two weeks later, actually two weeks before I was, I was like two weeks after I was with that girl, her ex had come into town and given her something. Whoa. Two weeks after I had been with her, her ex came into town and gave her something. I was two weeks away from getting an STD. Jeez. After I got that message, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with all of you. I ain't playing around with none of you anymore. I ain't with me right here. I was dead serious. Right? Would you believe that a week after that email, someone reached out to me in a lunch line? Wow. Someone reached out to me. A disciple reached out to me in a lunch line. Uh, a girl I had never seen before. Her name was Tiffany. And God happened because he knew I was a lustful man. He used a woman to now get me to come to him. He, that was the bait he used. I thank God because that changed, amen. Come on, bro. I'm just being open and honest be with you. Be open, right bro. Be open. I'm just trying to say, if I can change, you can change. Amen. I really am. All right. So, so she comes up and she literally she cuts in front of me in line because it was one of those lunch lines that split hot food and cold food. So she comes in front of me and she's like, oh, and when she realized me, she said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then she turns around again. I'll always be grateful for that. She turned around again. She's like, you know, I'd like to invite you to a singles retreat my church is having. And of course, me being the spiritual man that I was, I said, really? Singles retreat? That sounds awesome. <laughs> and she, she, she saw it in me. She's like, no, it's not like that. <laughs> We're going to apply the Bible to our life and not be hypocrites. Are you with me right So check this out. Literally, I give, no, I give her my number. She doesn't give me hers. That's right. Smart go. girl. Smart, so what just happens that literally about a day or two later, I get this phone call. Bring me, Andrew, yeah, we heard you might be interested in studying the Bible. And I'm like, uh, I didn't even know you. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Why, why don't you guys come on down? Where are you? Oh, we're in Syracuse. Syracuse, that was an hour and a half away wow. from where I was at Cornell University. These guys drive an hour and a half, never met me before, except talking to me on the phone. Wow. Drive an hour and a half down to Cornell University. We meet on the quad. Wow. A black guy, a white guy, another guy, engineer, basketball player. I'm like, okay, these guys seem pretty cool. All right. Now, I, I, I was shocked because I was expecting some old dude who couldn't relate to me. <laughs> I remember right here, let's just be honest. Most people think Christianity is outdated and dead and boring. So they sit down and I'm like, hold on, so all you guys go to this church? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, you guys don't sleep around and stuff? They're like, no. I'm like, you're serious, right? I'm like, none of you got? Like, no. We're Christians. We're disciples. I'm like, okay. We start doing a Bible study on the Word, on the Word of God. I'm like, before, as we're doing the Bible study, I stop them. I'm like, how do I know the Bible's really from God? Now, mind you, this is Mr. I've gone to church all my life. I'm the church musician. I'm doing all this stuff. Are you with me right here? Right? And they're like, oh, bro, let me show you. They start showing me stuff. I'm going to show you later in the sermon. They start showing me scientific evidences, historical evidences. I'm like, what? Why has no one told me this? And literally, a month later, I was baptized in the Christ. May 20th, 2000. Guys. Let me tell you, I know what it means to truly apply the word of God to my life. Yeah. I know what it means also to be disgusted by the hypocrisy. Yeah. And it's interesting because literally after that, I gave up my medical career to go into the full-time ministry. My wife gave up her law practice and law career to join me in the full-time ministry. I always said, man, I come from Jamaica. My family comes from Jamaica. I was born in New York. I'm not going to go to Africa. And now the Lord has brought me to oversee all the work here on the motherland. I right there. We've led churches for 10 years in the United States, three years in Lagos, Nigeria. So let me tell you, when you guys complain about, oh, it's so hard here in South Africa, I'm like, have y'all been to Lagos, Nigeria? 
You know what I'm talking about? Dr. Awesome's like, yeah, I know. I know. And I was like, guys. But you know what's so powerful? Is that of the mission team, of the 11 member mission team, three members are Nigerians. Woo! And I, I find that amazing. Because in this, all this xenophobia and all this wickedness going on right now, God finds this time, yes. this point in time, yes. to be able to proclaim to the world his love. Amen. To claim to the world that we're not going to allow the nonsense of the world, the hate of the world, to stop us from preaching the word. To stop us from loving each other. It is awesome to have you all with us this morning. But I have to ask you, going back to the scripture we read, are you truly training yourselves to distinguish good from evil? Wow. I've been a Christian now almost 20 years. Wow. Not almost 50 years, like Kip, but you're awesome. <laughs> 20 years, and I haven't stopped learning. Yeah. You know, a good example is really martial arts, because when I earned my black belt, I, I realized I just learned to master the elementary principles. Bruce Lee once said, I fear not the man who's practiced 10,000 kicks one time, I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. That's the man I fear. Are you with me here? And now our, our children, Isaiah and Naomi, are doing Taekwondo right here. And I, I, I'm showing them that a black belt is just a white belt that doesn't quit. You know what I'm talking about? And so now I'm studying MMA. And it's so good to have my dear friends here with us from my gym. Promise is here. Axel's here from my MMA gym here this morning. And it was interesting because... You know, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of put this in these terms for you so you can understand before we move on. I, I was training jujitsu the other day and with one of my sparring partners. And the reason why this, this topic came into my heart and I realized this is what needs to be taught is because I was sparring with him. I was doing jujitsu and he knew that I was a Christian minister. He's like, well, you know, I'm not over, overly religious. Um, I'm just comfortable with my standard of good. And so I said, OK, well. If everyone's standard of good is truth for them, then what becomes truth? Like, I mean, if, if you say whatever's true for you is true for you, and whatever's true for me is true for me, how do, then that's all subjective. There's not really right and wrong. Are, are you with me right here? Am I getting too philosophical for you? Right? I mean, imagine if you use that kind of philosophy in the banking industry. You go to the bank. You're like, okay, I got 10,000 Rand in the bank. And the, and the office is like, no, you actually have 1,000 Rand. In my opinion, you have 1,000 Rand. Whoa. You're like, no, 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 I have to, uh, no, according to me, I have 10,000. No, 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 according to me, I have, you have 1,000. Would, would that work in any way? No. If you go to the hospital and you say, oh, you know what, please, I need, you need to take out my gallbladder. And they take out one of your kidneys instead. Would that be an issue? We need to know what truth is. Wow. But I think for some reason, when it comes to morality, we all, we, we get kind of fuzzy. So the question for you this morning is, what is your standard of good? Where does your standard of good come from? Does it come from the world that's changing, ever-changing? I mean, 100 years ago, I would, I would be considered three-quarters of a man. Are you with me here? So if we base our standard on the laws, that's ever-changing. What about your family? Is your standard of truth based on your family? Well, how often does your family decide to change its mind? Are you with me here, family? Yeah. After I explained all this to the guy, he kind of walked out of the gym, and I think he, he realized he had a flaw in his argument right there. <laughs> but I want to show you something. I want, I want Tina to show us this chart here. Because very often in the world today, that people's values are going downhill. Right now, there's a growing belief that says that you don't have to believe in God to have good values. You can do whatever you want to do. And so the, the definition of good is changing. A lot of people are right now, 56% say, you know what? You don't need to know God to be a good person, wow. right? While 42% of people, this is in 2017, say it's necessary. So there's a battle going on right now. Yeah. Are you with me here? Yes. A battle for what is the truth and where does that truth come from? Because here's the issue. Like, for example, sexual morality right now is justified by it saying, as long as you're in love, it's okay to have sex, right? Lying is justified in order to be successful, right? Even catering to people, and this may be controversial for some of you, but I'm going to go there this morning. For some people, they, people say, you know what? Because of my sexual orientation or because of my gender identification, I, you have to cater to me. Well, what becomes right and wrong? Now, mind you, God doesn't just accept everything, because if he did, he'd be no better than the city sewer. 
The city sewer accepts everything. Wow. You got to have some kind of filter. I, I with me right here. And so the issue today is that if the standard of good is so obvious, because remember now Hebrews 5 says, by constant use, they've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. But isn't that obvious? Yeah. Is it obvious what good is from what evil is? Are you sure? Because if, if that was true, then why would we have to be mature and train ourselves constantly to distinguish good from evil? Yeah. Are you with me here, family? For example, like I mentioned before, a lot of people believe that you can sleep with someone in order to determine them good enough to be married, right? Okay, I believed that for a long time too. But guess what? I realized something. People have, want to have pleasure where there's no commitment. Is that really good and true? For example, if you go to the, the supermarket, you take a toothbrush, right? From the you brush your teeth. Then put it back in its container and hang it back up for someone else to pick up. Is that good? No. Well, why, well, how can you say that's not good? Haven't you fulfilled, haven't you satisfied yourself? So you've satisfied yourself and can't you put it back on? I mean, isn't that the same thing as sexual morality? You sleep with someone, oh, you don't like it, then you leave it for someone else. Come on, Guys, I can share it because I've been there. Yeah. I, just, I just confessed all my sin to you, so you can't have an attitude with me. <laughs> I remember it. But that, I mean, a lot of guys, I mean, let's just be honest with you. I'm trying to set it up here for you to understand. I've heard drunk bachelors say, you know what, Andrew, why should I buy the cow if I can get the milk for free? Oh, no. And I'm like, that is about as crude as crude comes. <laughs> but you got a point. And think about it. Sexual morality, I mean, gosh, what's the difference between that and prostitution? A prostitute is actually more honest. They say, give me the money. A person who's having sex with someone else, they're like, well, I have to pay for your dinner. I have to pay for at least a couple months of dates and stuff and different things. And hopefully after I pay for that, now you're ready to have sex. Wow. Isn't that not the same thing? Am I disturbing you? I mean, we're, we're, we're just trying to have a, a conversation right here. Right? Well, let, let's examine this. Turn over to Romans 12 with me. Come on, bro. Let, 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 I'm, I'm just trying to help you in your thinking. Help me, bro. I'm not one of these boring ministers you may be used to. I actually go there and talk about specific topics. And I talk about specific topics because you know why? I've been there. I'm not down on you. Why? I've been there. And I now understand the purpose that God has for my life. On, I now understand why God created me to be a pure man. Amen. When I look at my children, Naomi and Isaiah, I think, wow, what I want for them is what God wants for me. You don't curse around kids. You're not impure around kids. You don't show porn to kids. But yet, we think as adults, that's okay. Are you with me right here? Either you guys are tired or you're real convicted. Let's take a look what the Bible says here in Romans 12. We read this earlier. It says, do not conform. Romans 12, verse 2. I'm just trying to show you Bible here. If you're willing to, if you're willing to read it. Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see what I'm saying here? We want to know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And I want you to test that today as we examine this together. Because you don't realize, but you're conforming to the world right now. Now, some things are conform you're conforming to, that's not a big deal. Like your dress. A hundred years ago, people dressed very differently, right? Yes, also, a hundred years ago, people's view of morality was very different too. Yes. So you don't realize that what you think and how you think and your philosophy is based on your culture. Yeah. Are you with me right here, family? Yes. There's a quote by this late American pastor. He said, everything in the universe is good to the degree it conforms to the nature of God and evil as it fails to do so. Mm. If it fails to do so. Take a look with me here. First point, I'm going to be very, I got two points for you today. I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> point number one. Come on, bro. Not let the spirit of the Lord rise my <laughs> <laughs> Point number one. 
I'll wait for you. He says, come on. Why good without God is not Number one, seek God's word as the source of what is good. Now, this is important because we live in a democratic society today, which has many benefits, right? But one downfall is the acceptance of any type of belief in the name of toleration. Are you with me? Now, here's the thing, guys. The truth is still the truth, even if no one believes it. Yes. Yes. A lie is still a lie, even if everyone believes it. Are you with me right now? And so, could society ever fall into a delusional state of calling what is right evil? Yes. And what is evil right? Yes. Take a look at this guy. Take a look at a picture of a guy who has some interesting things to say. Because, you know, sometimes people think, uh, I don't want to be stuck with rules. Let's look at what Adolf Hitler had to say. I don't live by all these rigid, weird rules that make me feel fenced in. I just like the way that I feel. And that makes me feel very free. Adolf Hitler. You see, if you don't want to kind of correspond to a standard, if you just want to call across and say, I just want to live however I want to live, feel however I want to feel, then guess what? You're just like Adolf Hitler. Now, are you going to go kill six million Jews? Mm, probably not. But what's interesting is you don't realize the impact you're actually having on other people. I remember when I was in college and... The best friend of my girlfriend at the time was a minister's daughter. And she, she came to me because I was being immoral with her, with her friend. And she's like, you know, I have this friend. Should I sleep with him? She came to me to ask me, and she is a minister's daughter. Should I sleep with him? And guess what I said at the time? Sure, why not? You love him, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'll do. She went and slept with that guy. After I became a disciple, I remember going back to her and saying, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. She's like, oh my gosh, it's okay. I love him. It's fine. I'm like, no, 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 no. No. It's not about how you feel. And what does the Bible say? I mean, don't, don't you read the Bible? Well, no, I don't really read the Bible anymore. Take a look in John chapter 8. You know, um, in John chapter 8, you have to ask yourself this morning whether you're going by your feelings or you're going by the word of God. Because your feelings can get you in a whole lot of trouble. That's right. Are you with me right now? Other people say, oh, I love him. Oh, I love her. And then you go and do stuff you know ain't right. You let anger control you. Are you with me right here? You end up doing things that are not right. And so what does the Bible say here in John 8, verse 31 and 32? It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus says, what? If you what? If you hold to my teaching. You are really my disciples. Okay, what does disciple mean again? Christian. Christian. So, did these Jews believe in Jesus? Okay, was that enough? No. No, it says, if you what? Hold to my teaching. You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Feelings won't set you free. Are you with me right here? It's the word of God that will set you free. Set you free from what? Set you free from being afraid of what people think of you. Yes. Afraid of, 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 oh my gosh, what would, no, I'm holding to this. I don't care what you think. Are you with me right here? Either you please God or you're pleasing people or you're pleasing yourself. And the sad thing is, is that when you please yourself, now as a father, I understand more than ever before. If I just decide to give in to my anger, give it into my flesh, how does that affect my children? Are you with me here, family? You see, we don't realize things until we have kids. Once you have a kid, you start to understand. Would you live the same way if your kids were watching your every step? If they took a video of you. Okay, guys, we're going to take a video of you. Good. Now we're going to play it for your kids someday. Take a look at your mommy and daddy. Look at how they lived. Is that how you want to inspire your children? So it's okay for you when there are no kids around. But when you have kids, you're going to change? Is that not hypocritical? Are you with me right here, fam? Guys, we got to have deep conviction. Take a look over in Genesis chapter 3. What have you viewed as good that's not good in God's eyes? 
And what have the consequences been? Lying, cheating, immorality. What, what, what are some of the things? We're going to do a little case study in Genesis today. Are you still with me? Yes. Huh? In Genesis chapter 3, we've been studying the book of Genesis as a church. And I'm telling you, it's really insightful when you really study it on out and apply it to your life. Now, we all know the story of Adam and Eve, right? Garden of Eden. But there's a nagging question that many people don't understand. How did the serpent, how did the devil get Eve to turn on God? Are you with me here? Because think about it. Eve lived in a perfect environment, right? She was never abused by her father, her husband, relative, boss, teacher. There was no excuse for being sinful. Are you with me here? It was a perfect environment. She lived in total peace, tranquility. She had everything she needed. God was walking with her. So how did this serpent get this woman as well as the man to turn on God? I believe that if we understand the lesson from today, we'll be able to apply it to our own lives. Are you with me here? Take a look in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Are you there? All right, come on. We're a Bible church. Let's look on. Now the serpent was more what? Crafty. Than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Okay, let's stop here. Now, what are one of the key things you notice here? The first thing you notice is that, did Satan go to Adam first or did he go to Eve first? Eve. Now, why did he go to Eve first? Hmm? Why did he go to Eve first? I believe Adam and Eve equal in the eyes of God, amen? But why did he go to Eve first? Go back up to Genesis chapter 2. Look, we're a Bible church. We've got to study this stuff on out. Genesis chapter 2, look what it says here in verse 16 and 17. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So this was before Eve even came into being. Are you with me here? Yes. So check this out. We see here Eve heard about what God wanted secondhand from Adam. And look what she did. Funny enough, now there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I'm, I'm giving you the word of God right now, but I'm, you have to make sure it's coming from the source. Are you with me here? But she wasn't around to hear the source. Are you with me? So what ends, what ends up happening here is that now Adam said, this is what God said, okay, Eve? But here's the issue. She didn't go back and hear it for herself. And so as a result, now she's repeating it. But look what she says in verse 3. She says, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. Did God ever say not to touch it? No. No. Now she's adding stuff. Are you with me here? That's the problem when you don't see God's word as the source of what is good. A lot of people just go to church. They don't even have their Bibles. They just listen to what the minister says. And they don't check to make sure that what he's saying is true. Are you with me here? And so the guy up front could be adding stuff. He could be taking away stuff. Are you with me right here? And you would never know. That's why so many people are led astray today. That's why we have over 450 different denominations of quote-unquote Christianity in the world today. In Lagos, it was interesting because... The campus ministry just had an incredible attendance. They had about 208 in attendance in Lagos, Nigeria. Just three years ago, we planted the church with 11. Now they had 208 at the campus service. Got my grandson in the faith, Dami Lari, right there, is preaching the word. And you know what the title of the message was? Will there be Christians in hell? I'm like, go ahead, bro. Ah, that's a good song. I would steal that one and use that. Right? Because a lot of people think, I'm a Christian. I go to church and I warm a seat and I listen to that guy. So I must be a Christian because I believe. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you know the truth and the truth is set you free. I'm a doctor. How come? Because I believe I'm a doctor. 
Does that make any sense? No. Guys, we got to have deep conviction. And so this passage right here in Genesis shows on, that Satan was able to sway Eve from godly wisdom by making her rely on what was communicated to her than, rather than what was revealed wow. from the scriptures. I noticed something. Take a look at Matthew 16 with me. All right. I've read this scripture so many times, but I, I didn't quite catch this little nugget until just now. And so I was reading, you know, Matthew 16. This is convicting because how does this relate today? Matthew 16, look at the Bible says. Verse 13. Are you there? Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, oh, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. So what do we see here? Very often, people listen to what's communicated to them, but they don't listen to what's revealed in God's word. So as a result, they say, oh, well, you know what? Like today, there's a whole Jehovah Witness convention going on right now. They don't believe that Jesus is God. That's going on right now in this hotel. They don't believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe you have a soul. Are you with me, Maria? They believe 144,000 people are going to get to heaven. That always kind of struck me weird because I'm like, what if you have 144,000 and one? What are you going to do? You've predicted the end of the world like seven or eight times and you've shown to be wrong. The Bible says if you make prophecies and you've shown to be wrong, you should be taken out. Guys, do you know your Bible? Or, or are you being led astray? Guys, we got to have deep conviction. Take a look at Acts 17. If you're a guest here today, we want to encourage you to study the Bible with us. We don't want you to be ignorant. We want you to be informed. And again, if you didn't know that a disciple was a Christian, that's like ABCs. That's like elementary stuff. So I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to tell you, you have probably been being led astray the way I was. Are you with me right here? Take a look at Acts 17. What does the Bible say here in verse 10 and 11? Acts 17, verse 10 and 11. What does the Bible say? As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Bereans were of what? More noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every Sunday. Are you reading with me? I'm trying to catch you. I'm catching. I'm trying to see if you're reading. Ah, oh, you see, I got you. See? See? If you weren't paying attention, you would have thought it's every Sunday. I got you. I got you. Are you paying attention? They received this with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They went to what? The source. They went to God's word. And so for you, you got to ask yourself, do you have the character of the Berean? Are you studying the word of God every day? I mean, here's the thing. You brush your teeth every day, right? Yes. Hopefully you take a shower every day. Yes. Or a bath or whatever you want to call it. Yes. You see, I know I need a bath for my character every day. Amen. Every day I'm surrounded by lust, deceit, pride, anger. If I don't get into the word of God and wash my character clean, that stuff's going to make me dirty. Yes. My character will stink. Yes. You ever go around someone who hasn't brushed their teeth for a while? Ooh. Hi. How are you? Are you with me right there? And maybe some of you are coming around today like, Hi, how are you? But spiritually. And I can smell you from here. Because some of you are looking at me like, Others of you are like, I'm clean, man. I want the word of God to clean me. Others are like, does anyone smell my stink? I ain't judging you. I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you get clean. Are you with me here? From one beggar to another, trying to find bread. Let's do this together. Amen. But this is huge. I want to encourage you to study the Bible with the friends that brought you out today. So that it's not based on your interpretation or the world's opinion. Are you with me here? Let me give you one more example of this. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You see, the world is convinced that their sins will not be judged. 
That's why they live the way they do. I always find it very funny that the world believes that Hitler went to hell, right? Yeah. If you ask anyone, it's like, where do you think Hitler is right now? Hell! He's in hell! I'm like, okay, so now all of a sudden you believe in hell, but you don't go to church, and you don't read your Bible. So, so there's a hell for Hitler, but there's not a hell for you. Help me understand that. I, I, I'm really trying to understand right here. How is it that Hitler goes to hell? Because if there's no hell, and there's no heaven, amen, then Hitler, I guess he's all right. He did what he did, and he's dead, and there's no judgment. But what if there is judgment? What if there's judgment for you? What standard do you think God's going to hold you to? Your own? Hey, God, yeah, you got to judge me. You know my heart, right? So you're going to judge me according to what I think. I'm sorry. Uh, who made the rules here? You think you're free to do whatever rules you want, just like my boy Hitler over here? Guys, take a look in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. The Bible reads, do you not know? Is everyone there? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9? All right. Don't let me, don't let me get you again. Don't let me get you again. I'm going to test you to see if you're following God's will. I'm, I'm here, bro. All right. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, hang on. So we're talking about wicked people now. Are you ready? All right. Let's see what kind of wicked people there are. Do not be deceived. Well, why would you be deceived? Because the world's telling you that it's not wicked. The world's telling you that it's good. Neither the sexually immoral. Oh, wow. Wow. Have you been sexually immoral? Nor idolaters. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean praying to an idol? No, it's putting anything above God. Or it could be an idol too, if you want to follow that. Nor adulterers. Oh boy. Nor male prostitutes. Nor homosexual offenders. Nor thieves. Ever stole anything? Nor the greedy. Nor drunkards. Nor slanderers. Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Oh boy. Wow, we got real quiet. Now, did I say that or did the word of God say that? Now, you may have read that list and thought to yourself, hold on a second. Male prostitute, homosexual, homosexuality is a sin? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> now, here's the issue. I love all people. I just hate sin. Are you with me here? Now, we got to have a deep conviction about this because we live in a world today where a lot of people are deceived about this sin of homosexuality. Now, guess what? I'm going to go there today. I'm going to go there today. Now, when I was a freshman at Cornell University, I, I wasn't around a lot of people who were homosexuals, but when I was a freshman at Cornell University, I remember meeting this guy, and his name was Christian. And he was a homosexual. And I was like, okay, Christian, you gotta, you gotta answer the question for me, right? We were both pre-meds together. I was like, are you born with it or is it environmental? Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to know, I'm ignorant. He's like, Andrew, I was, I was, it's totally environmental. I, I choose to be this way. And I was like, really? Because if that's true, what, what about people who say I was born this way? Because what ends up happening is that people are saying, oh, because I'm born this way, you can't judge me. And I don't have to change. But what about people who do change from being homosexuals to straight? Amen. In our society, for some reason, there's a stigma in going from, from homosexual to straight. <gasps> what have you done? Have you brainwashed him? But if you go from straight to homosexual, oh, wow, I'm so glad you've accepted your freeness. That is weird. There's a, there's a hypocrisy there. Now, here's what's also interesting. The Bible says in verse 11, read on. After reading that whole list of sin, take a look at this. It says, and that is what some of you were. What, what does that mean? That means that you can change. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And the church said, Amen. 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 Whoa! 
You know, it's a very interesting story. Well, first of all, let me show you this. The world is even understanding this now. Do you know in the 1970s, homosexuality was considered a mental disorder? In the DSM-3? You never knew that. Let me show you something else. BBC, put this up for me. <laughs> let's go and Let's go sing. BBC. August 29th, 2019. No single gene associated with being gay. So now, a genetic analysis over half a million people have concluded there's no single gay gene. So even scientists are proving that this is not a biological thing. You're not born with it. You choose it. Yes. Now, you may ask yourself, is this because of certain households or whatever else? Well, all I'm showing you is what the science says. I don't know if these people are Christians. These are just newspaper reporters. You can go and take a look at it for yourself. Guys, this is deep. This is very, very deep. Because the world is now saying, it's okay to be this way. And you know what? Men can be with boys. Boys can be with men. Where does it stop? Do you know what's right and wrong? You know, I want to encourage you. What's powerful about all this is that we've seen people overcome this sin in the church. You know, my, my dear, dear friend of mine, Michael, you know, in Los Angeles, this guy was, in, in, his, in his life, he was a homosexual, right? And then he met disciples. He studied the Bible. And he got baptized and became a true Christian. But you know what happened? He stopped following the word of God. He stopped going to God's word as the source, and he started going and listening to his friends again. He got pulled right back in. And it's a very, that that world, it's very promiscuous. Sadly, he fell away from the church. And would you believe, when he fell away, that's when he contracted HIV. God had protected him that entire time. When he was in the world, that entire time he was in the world, he didn't contract it. God saved him. He pulled him out of the darkness. He became a true baptized disciple. And because he took his eyes off the words, he went back to the darkness. And that is when he contracted HIV. Well, the story doesn't end there. He comes to his senses. Kind of like Tendai and Blantina, they came to their senses. They realized, well, this world, this is not what's good. I will not be deceived. Are you with me here? And as a result, he came on back. He studied the Bible. He got restored. And let me tell you today, he is married in the kingdom of God. A sister fell in love with him. She's like, I know you got HIV. It's okay. I'm going to marry you anyway. She started taking drugs. She started saying the antiviral drugs. She's like, you know what? I'll do whatever it takes. We're going to get married because I love you. That's the love in the kingdom of God. Today they're married and they have a child and the child is HIV free. That is the power of God. Are you with me here, fam? But you got to ask yourself, are you being deceived this morning? Mm. Because I'll tell you right now, what did, when you came in here, did you think homosexuality was a sin? Mm. Wow. Here's another thing. When you came in here, did you think that you could overcome it? Mm. I've married people that are former homosexuals that are happy today. Amen. Living their purpose, obeying the word Amen. of God. Amen. I pray that no matter what your sin is this morning, you can overcome. Amen. You can overcome pornography. You can overcome masturbation. You can overcome the greed and the deceit and the lying and the pride. You can overcome. I wouldn't have them. You can overcome. Well, let's close on out here. I'll give you my last point. Because this this is huge. And sadly, you know, if you're taking it over with me in in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you're not careful, you'll be led astray. You won't just be led astray in the world. And the sad thing is, you can be led astray in the quote-unquote church. Are you with me? Do you see see all these churches today teaching the same thing? No. No. 
You got Dutch Reformed, you got Catholic, you got Baptist, you got Pentecostal, you, you got people sprinkling babies, you got people talking about Mama Sam, Mama Sam, Mama Kusa. you got all of this stuff. Oh, don't laugh, this stuff is serious. When you go to Lagos, when you go to various places, let me tell you, guys, you gotta understand what truth is. I, I don't make fun of anyone. I just point them to the word of God. Are you with me? Take a look at 2 Corinthians 11. It says here in verse 3, it says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived. I wonder why it's like they use Eve as in deceive. I'm like, wow. I don't know, I don't know. It's like Eve will be forever known as the one who was deceived. All right, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be somehow led astray by your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you receive, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Is there anything in the Bible that says you need to pray a prayer to be saved? No. no. But yet there are churches that say, uh, they'll have a really cool song and whatnot, and say, at this time, there's an altar call. Come and pray. God, come into my life for the forgiveness of my sins. Amen. Congratulations, you are a Christian because you believe. There is nothing like that in the Bible. Nothing. When you have time, study that bulletin that, I, that, you, that you have. The Bible is very clear in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Are you with me here? Shall we go there? Real quick, take a look. Look fast with me. We ain't got time. Acts chapter 2. Everyone knows John 3.16, but they don't know Acts 2.38. They ignore it. Why do they ignore it? Acts is the history book of the Bible. It's how people became Christians. Right? What does the Bible say here? In verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, because they were all Jewish brothers. They didn't know about Jesus. Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, What? Ah, uh, are you reading? Repent and be baptized. Does it say pray a prayer? Does it say speak in tongues? Does it say baptize babies? Can a baby repent? Then why do people do that? Wow. Are you with me here? What church have you been going to? It says repent and be baptized. Some of you? Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Not as the result of. Some people think, oh, I get saved when I pray and now I get baptized as an outward sign of inward prayer. That's a lie from the devil. That is not in the Bible. It's when you get baptized that you receive the forgiveness of sins. That is Bible. Are you with me, family? We're going to have deep conviction. You see, if you didn't know that this morning, then you've been deceived, just like Eve. Let's close that out here with the last point. Number two, trust that God will not withhold good from your life. How, did, how else did Satan deceive Eve in a perfect environment? Let's get back to Genesis. We're going to close that here. You know, in this passage here, we're going to see that very often what Satan wants to do is make you feel controlled by God. See, God's not looking out for you. He wants to take things away from you. He wants to constrain you. He wants, you should be free to do whatever you want to do. Just like Hitler. Are you with me here, fam? Look at the Bible says here in James, sorry, Genesis chapter three, verse five. So he just told the woman, right? You will not surely die, right? Look what he says in verse five. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You see how he's coming across? God's holding back from you. See, if you eat it, God knows you'll be like him. So he's trying to hold it back from you. Satan portrays God as being deceptive and withholding instead of being loving and being gracious. Are you with me here? Yeah. And so what happens next? Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good. Well, good in whose eyes? Good in her eyes. For food, pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. 
Well, brothers, you better lead your wives. Or else they'll lead you. You see, family, I look at this right here. There, there's so much here you can go into. But I think the key thing you've got to ask yourself is, do you feel like God is withholding from you right now? Do you? Maybe you think, oh, man, if I'm a Christian, i got to marry someone who's a Christian. Man, see, God's restraining me. Why I got to go marry someone who's a Christian? Why can't I just feel and then I'm in love with anybody? Or maybe you're thinking, you know what? To be here, man, this God, man, I could be at my job making more overtime. I feel constrained by God. He's holding me back from making money. I guess your character is not worth the money. Wow. Are you with me here, family? How do you feel like God is, with, what, what is he going to withhold from you this morning? You know, I believe, take a look in James chapter 1 here. All right. You know, God wants you to prosper and be successful. But this isn't prosperity religion. God is not a genie for you to like say, okay, God, I've come out of the church, now hook me up. God is not your genie. You're not rubbing the, like you think, oh, see, my, my, my bottom is rubbing the seat. You're not rubbing God's thing right now. No, he's not a genie. You don't deserve good. I don't deserve good. In spite of my wickedness, God blesses me. Take a look what the Bible says here in James. I'm trying to help you all out this morning. This has been my Bible study, and I hope it inspires you. The Bible says here in James 1, verse 16, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth to the word of truth, that we may be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God created what is good created what is perfect. You know, when I look at my wife and I look at my family, I see what is good. Amen. Amen. I don't know why God gave me an incredible wife. Amen. She's better than me in every way. And I, I, she's smarter than me. She's beautiful. I'm like, what is she somehow? She stayed with me. She stuck with me for 14 years. Wow. I remember right there. This August 6th was 14 years. That is success. Because we did it God's way. How many people, how many celebrities who got looks and money and cars, they can't even stay together for a month. They can't even stay together for a year. So is their version of good okay? No. Guys, we got to have deep conviction. Why do so many successful professionals commit suicide? They don't even know what they're living for anymore. Take a look at Psalms 84. We'll close off. Come on, bro. You know, um, in Psalms 84, I want to encourage you here this morning. If you're a guest, please study the Bible. Find out the truth about what God has in store for your life. And to realize that his way, his will is what's perfect. On, Amen? Amen. Is that, actually, you know what? I'm going to change it. Turn over to Psalms 19. Hang All on. Right. Psalms 8411 is good too. You can write that one down. Take a time and read Psalms 19. Take a look at what the Bible says here. Psalms 19, verse 7. We'll close here. The Bible reads, the law of the Lord is perfect, yeah. reviving the soul. Yeah. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Wow. Disciples should know this song now. Yeah. The priests of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold. Than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Wow. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Amen. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Is that your heart this morning? Wow. I pray that you trust God will not withhold good from you because his way is perfect. Come on, bro. And when you study the Bible, I hope you study out all these apologetics. Man, there's so much apologetics I could share with you. Oh, my goodness. The water cycles in the Bible. Historical evidences of the Babylonians. The Romans in the Bible. There's so much evidence. It will blow your mind. 
No other religion on the face of the earth has more evidence in its religious text than the Bible. It is clear. The question is, is whether you're seeking it. Are you with me here? Yes. And so for you, decide today to do what is good in God's eyes and not your own. Because judgment of what is good belongs to the Lord. Maybe you're a disciple here today and you're thinking, you know what? I don't know if I'm really discerning what is best. I just want to go to a church that's what, or maybe you're uh, uh, thinking today, I just want to go to a church that's comfortable for me. Is that where you want to go? Mm -hmm. A place that will tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? There are plenty of churches that will do just that for you. Or are you, do you want to actually just want to discern what is best for your life? Do you really want to go after God's plan for your life? Or are you thinking, well, you know what? I've already learned my tricks. I have no more to learn. I don't need to be a disciple. I know enough already. Well, if that's the case, then the devil already has a hold of you. I pray that you'll seek God with all your heart. Amen. I pray that you will trust him, that he does not want to withhold good from your life. I've heard it said, the destined end of men is not happiness. It's not even health. It's holiness. Wow. We're good because God created us to be holy. Amen. And when I look at my children, that's what I see. Mm -hmm. I pray that when you study the word of God, you'll have the heart of a child. Amen. You'll have the heart of someone who truly wants to be humble, holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Thank you, and God bless you. Amen.